Hello and welcome to Pullback Reveal with me, Kev Rook, the interview podcast where we talk to funny people to find out what makes them laugh. So we'll speak to comedians, actors, authors, academics, award winners, sports people, you name it, and we'll find out from them what they find funny and how humour and comedy has influenced their work. So it might get serious from time to time, hey? Why not, hey? But at the end of the day, we'll always come back to the funny. So sit back, relax, put your feet up and enjoy this week's episode of Pull Back Reveal. Thank you very much. Hello and welcome to episode 25 of Pullback Reveal with me, Kev Rook, and this week's special guest, Mick Ferry. Now, Mick is genuinely one of my favourite stand-up comedians. Like, matter of fact, um, he is. And because of that, I was a bit nervous for this one. I don't know if it's because I've seen him perform and kind of put people in their place uh, on uh, so many occasions and deservedly so may I add or uh, when he's compared me when I was a a fresh-faced new thing in the world of stand-up doing gong shows and those kind of bits as well but I don't know maybe it's just that I've always looked up to this guy and and so many people do he is such a talented performer and it's uh, a bit of a mystery really as to why he isn't the household name that he should be we we kind of explore that a little bit during this chat as well which is a topic for people that know mick or know his stand up or uh, kind of the stuff that he'll come out with on on twitter and social media it, it's kind of a, a part of his self-deprecating humor i think but within that lies a layer of truth of mystery of him maybe himself wondering why he isn't this big massive star but look saying that everyone on the stand-up circuit from the newest newcomer open spot to the big arena touring and and headlining stars of comedy that you'll all all know and see on your tvs every week well everyone respects this guy um so we we chat through quite a lot i try not to fuck things up and uh do you know i was doing really well and i i've got to a point where i thought thinking this while I was talking do you know what it feels like Mick is enjoying this like he actually likes me and uh well then I, I completely fuck it up and uh, a lesser man would would have edited that out um and uh yeah not come across in the recording at least as such an idiot but I've left it in because I find it quite funny actually listening back to it um, and then there's a call back to it at the end so the, the editing would have been really difficult anyway but look I'm jabbering on and this is a, a long chat that I have with Mick as well so let's get into it um, I'll give you all the bump at the end about following us on social media at Pullback Reveal and then the, the West Didsbury Comedy Festival at West Dids Comfest um, I won't mention any of that now Without further ado, sit back, relax, put your feet up and enjoy a wonderful conversation with one of the very best, Mick Ferry. 
So I am joined now by Mick Ferry, who is a comedian that I know very well from my uh, tentative few years that I had on the sort of open mic circuit and, and dallying with the dizzy heights of getting paid 30 or 40 pounds by Spiky Mike or someone like that to, well, yeah. <laughs> to, to, to do some stand up there dizzy in heights that I reach with it um, but hi there Mick how are you today mate You're I'm good right. man I'm fine yeah I'm fine I'm fine at least you get booked by Spikey Mike he doesn't book me does he not well I did have to <laughs> win I did have to win 400 of his competitions right to, yeah to okay, earn but, the right yeah. you know I had to do me rights of passage and stuff like yeah you should have you should have a go a couple of them mate there's uh... a <laughs> he might let yeah. you in then um yeah. but but no, look for sort of the, the commentary on it for people. I first saw you, Mick, um, doing stand up. Probably it was at the Frog and Bucket when I used to, when I got a job behind the bar there. Um, yeah. It was probably sort of my first introduction to you. But then also going along to like the watching before I dared do it, like the gong show at the store on a, a you know, that, that one Sunday yeah. night of the month and that, and that kind of thing. And um, yeah. let's get the gushy bit out of the way. No, a, a, a comedian and stand-up who I've always like thought of right at the top, you know, like absolute, like huge respect for you as a comedian and your, your art form and all that kind of thing. So no real pleasure to talk to you today. Although I'm, I'm weirdly nervous. I don't Why? Know I don't I think it's because I might edit this bit out, but because you're so good and you sort of, maybe we'll get into this a bit. You're sort of, your your presence and everything on stage. I don't know why I've spoken to, um, you know, no offense, people, you know, way more successful than you. No, <laughs> yeah, I'm joking. I'm joking. there's a lot. Of, <laughs> I, I've got to be honest with you, man. There are thousands of people way more successful. Than me. Uh, yeah, um, it's just, it's part of the industry. It's part. It, it, it's part of the industry. Yeah, it's something you it, can't legislate for. Uh, no, something that can't be. Yeah, can't be dealt with. Well, uh, I guess so, and and I guess that was sort of one point of sort of as people know who listen to my podcast, they'll be quite apparent at times. I openly admit about how little pre- preparation I do, just so it can it can flow a bit. But I did sort of have in the back of my mind about, I mean, maybe we'll start at the beginning, but your career and kind of where you've reached, because I know amongst comedians, and I'm sure you're aware of this, you're again held in like massively high regard by people. Uh, you know what? It's nice. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. I've won a, I've won a, a comedians comedian uh, of year award. I've, uh, things like to 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 be respected by your peers is nice, it, and it, it's it's humbling, and it's fantastic, and it, and it's great for your self esteem. But uh, the sad thing is, your peers don't pay your rent. Uh, <laughs> that's the fucking problem with it. So uh, so for it, people that hold you in high regard, that's fantastic. But you know. It, I'd rather them give me a tenner each week into my bank account, <laughs> and, and, yeah. slag, and then slag me off behind my back. Um, <laughs> yeah, keep your reward, and let's start the crowdfunding. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> no, no, I, no, no. I mean, that's nice. You know, I mean, uh, but it's uh, it's just part of it. We're talking about success. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's you know, I, 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 I nearly had a crack at it. I was on. McIntyre's Road Show in 2009, but then I ended up with, a, I think, a record number of complaints because of a routine about getting a dog drunk, for heaven's sake, and and also a routine which I didn't think they'd keep in about my 21-year-old daughter's friends about, you know, uh, perving on them. Um, so, uh, yeah, I learned lessons from that, but that's, you know, 
fucking by and by. You know, thank God Twitter wasn't the thing it is now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because I'd well, probably been hung really out to dry. <laughs> yeah, I would have really yeah. been hung out to dry at the time. So yeah. So, but, but if you well, don't mind, do, do you mind if we sort of roll it back a bit? Because as I said, I know you from the circuit and sort of your face yeah. and your material and seeing your loads. But to be honest with you, I don't know too much about how you got into it and sort of what, you know, you know where I, you started from because you were obviously already in nine, doing it. Nine, 1997, um, in April 1997, something I was always wanting to do. I was working, I was an upholsterer. I used to have like quite a, quite an intensive day job. Worked for a company called Olympia Furniture at the time. We did piecework. So it was, it was the you got paid for the amount of work you know that you you, you did basically. Um, and then at the weekends, supplement that I used to do DJing in a, a nightclub in Ashton. And uh, and I'd always wanted to have a go. I'd always been writing stuff and so on. I always wanted to have a go stand up. And I didn't know where you went. I, the only place I knew of was the comedy store in London. And being in Oldham, I kept thinking I can't justify going down there to get up and have a go. And then one day on the way to work, uh, I heard an advert for the Frog and Bucket in Manchester that on Monday nights, anybody could go down and have a go to get on. So I decided to go down a couple of Mondays afterwards. Uh, <clears throat> paid in as well. Didn't realise that if you were getting up and having a go, you didn't have to pay in. And also, if you, you were having a go, you used to get a fiver as well at the time. Uh, so I paid to get in, got myself drunk, uh, got up and had a go. Alex Borden was MCing, actually. Right, um, OK. Talk about controversy later, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can't, <laughs> can't remember uh, um, too much about it. Uh, enjoyed it. Went back the following Monday and then kept going back every Monday then started finding out that there were other places where you could go and do, like, open spots like the Buzz Club and and before you know it, you, you know how it works. You start potting around, turning up at places, doing five minutes here, ten minutes there. And that's how it develops. But the, the thing I had for the first year, at least, maybe a little bit more, I, I thought you had to be different every time you went on stage. So I thought you had to do something different all the time. Uh, I used to think comics were cheating by doing the same stuff. Uh, but it turns okay. out that's, that's how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then you... once, I got, once I got told about that, it, it, uh, it, it got easier. And I, and I started under the name Flanagan, uh, Mick Flanagan. Right. And I, I'd been going about a year and a bit when somebody told me, he said, uh, sorry, do you know somebody in London called Mickey Flanagan? He's been going a bit longer than you. And I said, all right, well, I'll, I'll, I'll drop that name then and use my, so he doesn't get confused and I'll use my real name instead. And that was it. Yeah. Oh, no, Mick, Mick, Mick Farrow's a good name. It's nice, isn't it? It's so yeah, it's, sure. Yeah, it's, and, it's and my real and, name, but, uh, yeah. but the problem is people say, you know, they, some people think it's a stage name and, if I was going to come up with a stage name, I think I'd have come up with something a bit fucking better than Ferry, <laughs> for fuck's sake. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I, would, I, would, I should have come up with some alliteration, really. The, the, the names are, always stand out, aren't they? You know, uh, so I could, could have called myself Michael Murray. That would have been good. There you go. Mi- Mickey Murray. <laughs> Mickey McIntyre. Yeah, there's no you one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone, no. Oh, shit. What is it? Is it? Well, all these Southerners keep pinching all the names. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's interesting to hear about sort of then, you you know, you were working and already thinking about it. And I guess this is maybe how you come across on stage and sort of find out how, how true that is. But I can imagine you and from your persona on stage and you know, the act as such, you sort of, you seem very natural. So you do probably say more than anyone else that I've spoken to on the series so far, someone that I can really imagine being the guy that's making everyone else laugh in the work environment, in the, 
pub in the wherever because you that sort of you're tapped on stage or tell me if I'm wrong but you know that's kind of how it comes across yeah but well, how, that, how that works so I've always been very quick I've always been very quick with it right right from being little I've always but I've also also been very dry as well so some people don't know whether I'm serious and you know half the time that's a problem I've got but I'm like I'm one of them I'm basically one of them dickheads everybody works with for the first six months you find them hilarious and after that you think they're a fucking pain in the ass <laughs> you know what I mean so you don't want to you know well, it's hard working, you know, you know, I used to work 40 to 60 hours a week and you're not always in a good mood yourself, you know, I've been in bad moods myself at work, uh, especially when I, a physical job, um, which relied on the speed of how fast you worked as well, so you could earn your money, you know, so, um, yeah, I, I, I could be, some people at work could find me funny, but I know people fucking hated me, absolutely hated <laughs> me, yeah, um, think I was sarcastic, think I was, you know, I don't mind. I'm still, I'm still sort of like that. Um, some people think I'm rude. I'm, I'm. The weird thing is, I'm very wary around. I always have been. Always a little bit shy in company of people I don't know. And some people think I'm standoffish or take it as being rude. But if I don't know somebody well, I'm introduced to them in their company. It takes me a while to figure them out. You know, so I'm, I'm quite wary around people, and that sometimes comes across as being rude. I've been told. Yeah, no, I, I, and again, it's something you, yeah, you, you do hear fairly often from you know performers and that kind of thing. And it is like as much as a, what's the word that I'm looking for? I'll come back to it. But um, you know, not stereotype. That's not the word I'm after. But is it that like stage though is for you sort of did it all click then when you found that and that's where you feel comfortable? Yeah, sort of, in a way. I mean, when I started, I was quite, my act was quite surreal. I mean, I used to make up all stories about, you know, uh, knowing famous famous Hollywood stars and so on. And uh, and it's amazing how it sort of, so it was like surreal and whimsical and then became sort of, started becoming more observational. It, it's, it's, it's funny how I developed myself as an actor. I didn't purposely mean to go that way. Um, I think... After about two and a half years, I realised that, uh, well, about probably about two years, I realised that being fully whimsical and and a little bit off the wall wasn't going to get you that much paid work. Uh, so I, I didn't mean, I didn't intentionally change the way I did. I don't know why I did. I've been through many, many stages, many, many development stages uh, where I am. But but I, I agree with you in essence. I think. All comics find eventually, and and it can be after a thousand gigs, it can be after a few hundred gigs, but without realising it, you become who you are on stage. You become uh, comfortable on right. stage, and then once once you become good, you don't realise at the time that it's happened, uh, but then once you you're comfortable on stage, once that the, everything then seems to click. Uh, you're still dying your ass every now and again, but it's not that often. You you know it's it seems to work, and you seem to you seem to know what you're doing without realising that you knew what you know. Do you understand what I mean? Without realising yeah, you actually got to that place. It just seems to happen. And I've seen that with I knew it actually started after how I started. I've seen them progress from being awkward open spots to showing a bit of promise and all of a sudden they become the finished article. You know, so uh, it just it's experience. It's like a lot of things. It's experience. It's like uh the public perception of the comics that have made it, like Mike McIntyre and John Bishop, and apparently they were overnight successes. They ignore yeah, the true. fact that fifteen years honing the craft on the fucking circuit. You know what I mean? That that's all gets ignored. Everybody thinks they're an overnight success. They weren't. They they grafted like everybody else did. So, do you think it's it's possible then to 
not learn to be funny because I guess you need to have something about you anyway. But it is possible then to improve and become a very good comedian from not being. Well, it, it is, but it depends what kind of comic you want to be. I mean, you can be, you can listen, you can, you can, you can write. A, there's a lot of comics done this. You can write a twenty-minute set and then just use that forever. Uh, I, I don't understand the point of that. Uh, I, I think you become dead behind the eyes when you're doing that. I try and I, I turn over a lot of material, uh, which I think is important, mainly for my own sanity, than anything else. Um, yeah, you, you'd, be, you'd be amazed how many um, comics come come into the world of stand up from the, the world of teaching or acting. So they've already yeah. got a conference bit, uh, and then it's if they get the material then to go with that, then it clicks. Then you know, then it works for them. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I I couldn't teach anybody to be funny. I could somebody could act slightly funny. Uh, you know, you could write you could write a twenty minute set for them and and eventually they'd start doing well with it. You know, people would believe them, but but it's whether they can create anything themselves. I think I think a proper I can I put this. I don't want to say a proper comic, but I think no, go for a, it. a proper comic is. I think a proper comic is alive to the room and anything that goes on in the room. And you can be in the, you know so. Uh, you don't want heckles, but you should be able to deal with it. Or if a fight kicks off, or whatever happens, you should be alive to the room. You should you should know what's happening in the room. You should be aware of the room that you're in as well, so uh, you can react to anything. Uh, I've seen some comics who just can't; they'll just carry on plodding on with what they've got to say, regardless <laughs> of what's going on in the room. And you just think, "Fucking hell, mate!" You know, there's a guy <laughs> the just walk. There's a guy just walks into a glass door at the fucking side of you. Come on, yeah. Or the building's you, you on fire, done. and yeah, yeah, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're still, you know, you're still telling us about your fucking shitty holiday in Wales. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think I think a good comic is a, somebody that's alive to the room, is aware of the room. So, because that's something again that having seen you numerous times, it seems to be one of your key strengths. I know that you MC quite a bit. Um, I used to do. I'll, I don't do it as much now, but not, I still do it. Yeah. You know, but yeah, that that always used to come across as you know one of your strengths was just not needing to go to material that much, or at least that's how it comes across. Yeah, was that the truth of it, or that was yeah, the that's the delivery? that's the that's the truth of it. That's uh, uh, and then sometimes uh, through chatting to the crowd or working out stuff with the crowd, it, it can trigger off a little bit of material, and then it comes across as like you've just made it up, you know. But you won't know, but. Um, at the comedy store in London, which is the best comedy club in the country by a, a, a mile, if I MC a weekend there, some weekends I can MC a full weekend and not do an ounce of material uh, because the crowd is just so good to play off. Uh, they have a great time, you know. So, uh, But it, the thing was, when I first started, for about a, a two years, two and a half years, I was terrified of anybody in the crowd heckling me or talking to me. Uh, I didn't think I'd be able able to deal with it, uh, and it, and it eventually became, I think, my biggest strength. Yeah, m- no, most definitely, I'd, I'd agree with that. And I'm, I mean, look, even from my crappy level of stand up that I was doing, kind of the, the, the those were the best nights for for me. Were the ones where you sort of get to the end of your time, and you're like, I've hardly done any of my jokes, but everyone's mm. been laughing. You know, like the, yeah. the different the difference almost in the the endorphin hit from those gigs. Yeah. compared to the ones where you're like, oh, no, I delivered my set, you know, like yeah. you said before, almost painting by numbers of, oh, I delivered it, I didn't miss any of the beats, so I, yeah. I paused where I was meant to, I looked there, you know, I did all the, all the sort of the, 
the, those elements that are written that you're trying to make look natural. But yeah, yeah I think I think when you can freestyle it those nights that you're like you've almost feel like you've done one for free. You've not used any of your, yeah, any, yeah, any yeah. of your yeah, power. Yeah, yeah. that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. So how long was it then for you from like those those first times at the the frog and the the other open spots you were doing where you were able to say this is it this is what I'm going for now um poor. I would say around about so about two years after the frog I was picking up uh pets so like 99 I was picking up big gigs like here and there 40 quid gig here 50 quid gig there and I was I was getting them to host the Monday nights at the frog uh then about 2000 2001 is when because work started coming in i started getting work then regular as an mc and i was still doing the day job as well to a certain certain extent like almost like part-time hours or still but uh and so it's about 2002 2003 when i had to make the to, to call myself a full-time comic uh and then stop doing the day job completely you know we were about 2002, 2003, something like that. Um, so I, that's my advice to any new comics that start. You, I meet a lot of young comics who they've got a couple of paid gigs up the sleeve and all of a sudden they declare themselves a full-time comic and, and, and stop working and so on. And, and, and why they do that, I have no idea because <laughs> uh, it's not how the industry works. It's not how the circuit works. Just because you've had a couple of paid gigs doesn't mean everybody's going to pay you. You've got to prove yourself to everybody. And you still need the money from a day job to be able to get you the expenses to pay for the expenses to get to gigs that you're not going to get fucking paid for. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so yeah, it was a bit of a strain when I started because you know I had I, I had a family, my kids were kids were young as well. Uh, when I when I started doing it, uh, my other half was pregnant with uh, my youngest child now. So yeah, so it was. I think she just thought it was another phase I was going through, like the DJ and that. <laughs> uh, and I, don't, so, I don't know about DJ Mick. What? Who was DJ Mick? They, well, I used to DJ in a, in a nightclub in Ashton called the Old Barn. Uh, it's quite a rough old place. Uh, <laughs> I remember the first night I turned up there. There was a perspex screen runs from the the DJ desk up to the up to the ceiling, so he blocked off. And uh, there was a doorman there. God rest his soul. He's not around anymore. Called Brian, who. Uh, I said to him, I said, what's this Perspex screen for? He said, oh, you'll find out about one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and then it's one in the morning and bottles and glasses started hitting it. So, <laughs> yeah. So no matter how good you were, that was just the accepted that that seemed yeah, yeah, to happen at that yeah, time. Yeah, 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 definitely, yeah. Whatever, fuck off, or, yeah, all, all the rest of it. <laughs> um, no, it, it is, yeah, interesting hearing you sort of, you know, talk about that because it is in such a in a normal way as well, you know, what you're saying is just like so much of the open spots that I know that have sort of progressed, you know, so it has been sort of that, that normal path for you. But yeah. obviously we've sort of already hinted on the, the fact of maybe, I don't know the, the levels you've achieved or I, I, and it's difficult to word it. And I don't want it to sound like I'm just being a, a, a dick for the sake of it almost, but it, what, maybe this is a place to start. What were your, like ambitions then or targets when you first got into it did you do you have any was there any expectation or was it no just I a... did, I, no i didn't really have any expectation um i mean in, in uh, as well as doing stand-up when i started i was also part of a, a sketch show called we were called dr strange hair and it was me owen rankin and peter slater and 
the highlight of my career for a long time was in two, the year 2000. We went on tour with Badly Drawn Boy. He just wow. won the Merc- Mercury Music Award, and we did a uh, a sketch in the... Uh, so this is the year 2000. We did a sketch in the... Uh, uh, just before he came on, like a 10-minute, 15-minute sketch where I played Jamie Feakst and I was on stilts and wore a baby, <laughs> wore a baby doll nighty and sport like Bernard Manning. And uh, and I interviewed uh, Owen, who played Ron Mayo from the Sparks, and Peter, who played uh, Neil Diamond. Uh, we had this 10-minute sketch. <coughs> we had some good reviews on it as well. One of them was, it's like Stars in the Rise and League of Gentlemen put into a blender. Um, That's a brilliant then, review. Yeah, 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 it's a great review. That It was fantastic. And so, so that was like the highlight of my career at that point. And I think about two years later... Um, uh, Owen phoned me up to tell me to put on MTV because uh, Pop Profiles or something was on, which was the real Jamie Fixton interviewing um, uh, uh, Matt Lucas and David Williams, who were pretending to be pop stars. So right. very, sim- very similar to ours. Yeah, listen, not saying that it's just one of them things, isn't it? You know, uh, uh, it's a coincidence. Uh, but yeah, so that's the highlight of that. But then. But Owen was doing stand-up then, and so was Pete as well. He's like character-based stuff. But then I, I couldn't really devote any more time to the sketch show thing because I was picking up more and more <coughs> paid work, you know, uh, as, yeah. as a comic. So, <coughs> so, so that was sort of like the end of we were, we were about a year and a half, I think. Doctor, maybe a bit longer, about two years. We used to uh, one year we every month for ten months on the trot. We used to we put on a different one and a half hour show. Uh, in Manchester, well, we used to film stuff um, as well, and we'd have it on like little portable TVs dotted around the room in between the sketches. Uh, so I mean, it was good fun. It was creative, you know. Uh, I think it was important. I did that as well. Something a bit different to stand up as well at the time. I think it's. Uh, I think it's good to stretch your legs in other areas. Yeah, definitely, because it, it it would just have been so easy for you picking up those paid gigs to be like ninety nine percent of the other people are, which is just a bit. Yeah. That that's it, but that that's probably at all adds to the sort of the the, the cocktail, isn't it? Of then what you're able yeah. to pull off when you're on stage and what you've got to. It's what in it's terms of with. in terms of ambition, what I wanted to do when I found that you, I, see, I had no idea what you could do with stand up, and then when I found that you could pay, get paid for it, I, that was that was my ambition. Oh, let's make it my job, and then uh, then you find out there's oh, you know other areas you, you can get on TV, you can get famous, you can get to be. I mean, I'd I'd. Um, Love to have been a touring comic. I'd love to have developed an audience that way, but it's, I've just never, just never gone about it the right way or done the right things that were supposed to happen to make that happen. So, I mean, it's still time to do that. I've only, of you know, course. I turned, yeah, I turned, yeah. I turned fifty last year, so maybe that'll be the plan from next year is uh, to start doing my own tours. But um, I suppose that's the next thing for me. Uh, Listen, and this is not being being bitter at all, but there is definitely an ageism thing with TV. So I'm never going to get near TV again. And 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 I, but I, uh, now you can, this might cause controversy with some people listening. But I think there's a I think we've got a class issue with telly when it comes to comedy. Yeah, and it does seem to be dominated mainly by uh, middle class people at the minute. But uh, I mean, I, I do a, I do a joke on stage. It's not it's you know it's not that funny, but it's just more an observation about not be not getting on TV because to get on TV these days, you've got to be a middle-class comedian who's prepared to take a parent on a travel programme, <laughs> uh, which, you know, seems to be dominating TV, but that's, that's the way it works at the minute. So, uh, 
I, I, I'd be more worried. Uh, what I would stand up for, and I would be an advocate for. Uh, listen, my time probably telling will never happen again, and that that's fine. I'm okay with that. I'm cool with that. Uh, but younger working class comics, I worry about whether they yeah. get the same opportunity. No, I think that's very true, and uh, I don't know. Maybe it's you probably would describe this guy as I don't know if I'm sure he would himself now, but as um, Simon Evans was one of the first interviews that I did. Um, and he wasn't so worried about the class thing. Um, (laughs) 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 don't know, don't know why that didn't come up with him. Um, but, but the, certainly like the, the ageism thing was something that we, we spoke about a bit actually, but, and he was sort of like noting, especially in sitcoms and even in like radio four stuff, you know, which you'd almost think would be a, a safe yeah. ground, a safe ground yeah. as such, wouldn't you? To sort of get into is like you'd think so, wouldn't you? Yeah, and, and you know where they go for the more established and where maybe their audience said think that was a more relevant voice for it. Yeah. Um, and we sort of picked up between us as well during that chat of how sort of every great sitcom from the past that we could remember always had like older characters in it, whether they yeah. were the main ones or not. And and that was sort of seen to be a, a part of British humour that was really celebrated. Was that grumpy yeah, old guy of course. or, or yeah, something. The, yeah, but also as well, I mean, let's not forget as well, most, most sitcoms, the great ones of the past, had, had, they were generational thing. The greatest the greatest one of all time, whether you like it or not, Only Falls and Horses, was Three Generations. I agree with you completely, yeah. Glad to three, that. Three, yeah. Ge- three Generations, that's what that was built around. Yeah. Uh, listen, I, I, I don't let that worry me too much. I mean, they've got, they've got so-called fucking uh, demographic uh, quarters and so on they've got to they've got to fill and get you know that's fine that's fine you know if you want to put young people on to put them on but um, I my worry is it young just give at least if the young working class people get more you know an equal opportunity I'll be happy with that I'll be fine uh, not, not because it's I don't know they went to the right school and all the right fucking people well yeah I guess it is uh, so it's always been prevalent, isn't it, in the industry as such? As someone will give you a leg up, or it will be someone that you'll you'll know. But obviously, yeah, it does seem to be the light sort of the spotlight is pointed towards the the, the youth side of it at the moment. So, I mean, well, the fact that we're still talking about it, it's 2019, and we still yeah, I mean, there, was a, yeah. there was a documentary on TV on the BBC the other day about the elite, about young trying to get into breaking into the elite. The fact that we're still talking about it is proves that it's still there. It's still not gone away. Uh, you know, but it's but it's, it, it it does it is bullshit mainly because I'm getting older as well so I'm sort of more and more getting annoyed about things <laughs> like that but it's um with an aging population and you know the the demographics of the population as well and, and you know fair play to Simon he's, he he was the one who said this of there's a lot of people that is not really a voice for at the moment yeah yeah of course you're exactly right you're you uh, you're exactly right and and the, and uh, uh, every race, colour, and creed should be represented on TV, uh, but also as well, it's uh, a class as well should be represented, uh, yeah, uh, 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 as well. And uh, but yeah, uh, as you know, the the ageism thing. Go, apparently, I don't know. I think when you get over a certain age, a comic, you, you you're not allowed on TV. But I don't know who, who say if anybody said that, but it seems to be a thing. But you know. Yeah, I, Listen, I, don't, I, I don't worry. I don't worry about it anyway. You know, uh, not anymore. There's, you, you can end up being, and I've been through stages of it. Every comic does. You, you, know, you can end up being very bitter uh, 
worrying about other things and other people. And and I, I'll, have, I'll be honest with you, in the past I have. I've had times where I've been bitter about the about the industry and about the job, but the only person you arm is yourself when you start doing that. So there's no point being like that. Uh, have, a, have, a, have a moan about it by all means, but don't let it fucking eat you up. Well, well, no, especially because what is so central to what you do and, hey, what you're so bloody good at is the creative side and there's nothing that will fuck that up quicker than sort of, oh, <laughs> mellowing, of course, yeah, mellowing yeah. and self-pity is, is yeah, not the key to being creative, is it? No, is it fuck? No, 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 no. It's damaging. It's actually damaging, yeah. Uh, but, the, you know, the, the job itself is stressful enough anyway. You know, uh, Getting work is stressful enough. Uh, so you don't need to add that to it. Um, and uh, you, you you find some people who mourn who I'm not gonna, I was going to say, but yeah, I think if you want to be a comic as well, uh, keep working on it, but keep keep writing as well. That's the thing. Keep keep churning out stuff, whether it works or not. But keep doing it just for your own sanity and for your own creativity, so you don't become dead behind the eyes. Yeah, and you never and you never know. One day you might hit on something that becomes a thing that. People go fucking wow! Why have we not heard of this person before? Yeah, it, and I guess that's the 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 hope in all creativity, isn't it? Is that you will start? They'll they'll just be that thing. And who was I? I was speaking to um, Dave Johns yesterday, um, who obviously has been a really good comedian for a bloody long yeah. time. You know, a long time. Odd, yeah, thirty odd years on the circuit, and you know, has played and given a leg up to so yeah. many of the bloody big names on, on the TV and everything now. But yeah. he still felt that it wasn't until the Ken Loach thing happened, that you know, and that came out of nowhere for him. And, and I guess stories like that are really encouraging, aren't they? Because of you course. just never, you never know. You never know. You never give up on it. You know, never, uh, listen, it's, be, 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 working in entertainment anyway means you're a, you're a fucking dreamer to start off with. Let's be honest. I, I, not, not many people who work in any form of entertainment are the most responsible of people. You know, you wouldn't trust them to go and pay your fucking car insurance for fuck's sake. Uh, <laughs> uh, and and that and that's fine. And 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 I admire that. You need that. We need we need we need dreamers, but we also need as well. <laughs> we need thinkers, and we need people who can fucking build shit as well. Because uh, if, you know, if the world was just left to entertainers, we'd be living in our own shit for fuck's sake. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so but yeah, but also as well, never give up on that. The fact, but there is something, you know, something around the uh, the corner, possibly, uh, and, and keep believing in that as well. I mean, I I, uh, I got I got chatted up on a on a, a, a London tube last year by uh, an elderly man who was about, I'd say, late eighties, uh, uh, which was no, in fact, it wasn't last year. It was the year before. I had a I had the handlebar. I've got a beard now. I've got a, I had the handlebar mustache at the time, <laughs> and it was a late night tube. And he, and he turned around to me. He was very positive, very, 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 very calm as well. He said, "He turned around and went, oh God, where's this? Where's this tube coming?" And he, and he turned around and looked at me. and went, "You're like a man who can get things moving." And I said, uh, "Well, I wish I, I wish I could help you, mate." He went, "Oh my God, that accent is so industrial. I love it." And <laughs> Uh, and then started asking me if I wanted to go back to Wiz and uh, and kept telling me he had a heater and a bottle of wine. And and he had some friends for along the platform and he said, I've just been seeing my friends play. It was fucking awful. Awful. <laughs> but, you know, you've got to, you know, but we're actors, darling. We've got to, you know, we've got to uh, support each other. And his friend looked over and he waved at me and went, he's a fucking untalented cunt. That's what he was saying about it. 
And and then he was telling me, he just like he was pissed and then just out of nowhere he says, Oh, he said in the sixties all my friends were taking jobs on crossroads. I called them all fucking sellouts. God, I wish I'd gone on crossroads myself. Right. So, <laughs> you got this whole, whole guy's life in, uh... Yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then and then said, You can come back to my room. I, I do have a heater. I'm I'm fine, but you know, thanks for the offer. Um <laughs> But yeah, I, and, and I would get the impression that even at his age, he's still an actor, whether he's a working actor or not, he's probably still thinking that it might be the role around the corner for him. Yeah, it, you never know who you're talking to, I guess he's thinking. Exactly, better, yeah. Better yeah. give it bo- both barrels on the tube, even. Maybe yeah, exactly, yeah. He yeah. might be within earshot to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so with like your on stage and, and, and material and everything, and, and again, it'd be interesting to hear if this is the truth of how it comes across. You, you're sort of narrative-based, aren't you? You're a storyteller, is how you've... Uh, you, yeah, you agree? I would say. Yeah. No, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'd say also, tell stories, tell jokes, the odd one-liner. Um, Moans, rants. I do have rants about little things. Uh, I, I don't know. It's probably probably cover all bases. I would imagine. So, not so intentionally. Much... Not no. intentionally, but yeah. Uh, so how structured is like a, a Mick Ferry set then, and how much writing before goes into it? Right. Well, well, the set on what I'm doing at the minute, I've got. Uh, so the opening ten minutes is all new, which I've written this year. So that means I've drops. So the average set is twenty minutes, or it could be half an hour. So. Uh, I actually spoke about this a couple of years ago with uh, Roger Monkhouse. We were saying the same thing. Because when I, when I write anything new, I just try it at the start of the set, uh, see if it works. And then if it works, it stays in. But then what happens is it's like a concertina effect. That means something falls out from the bottom of your set. And I can, right. usually half the time, I can't remember what the fuck it is. <laughs> um, luckily, I've got a couple of good friends who, who every now and again, when we're having a pint, will start telling a routine and I'll sit there and say, that's really good. Who's is that? And they'll say, it's yours, you fucking idiots. <laughs> and I'll say, my God, I've forgot all about that. You need to tell me again, how does it go? Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, but um, it's, it's, not, it's not that loose. I've got, I've got an idea of the order and, you know, the structure I'm going to do it in, put it in. Uh, but also, I'm lo- loose enough to be at a, depending on circumstances or the crowd or the reacting to things, you've got to be at a, change you've got to be able to dip in and out of your database you know uh because if you're halfway for a routine you think oh, they're not going for this kind of material you've got to be able to quickly adapt something they might actually go for yeah definitely uh, the one i i hope this is yours now this would be really embarrassing if it's not when... <laughs> <laughs> or if you can't remember it was the um the frog in the ice what which There's... one's that Oh God! Don't say it's not you. I'm sure it's you. Um, there's a, a a frog that's frozen in ice, or a creature or something that's frozen in ice. Yeah. And is that? Have I fucked up there? And it's not. <laughs> I don't know. You have to remind me. How long ago was this? Oh God! A, a few <clears throat> years ago. So so basically, I'll tell you the routine anyway, because you might you might not be able to pinch it. The person might not be around anymore. Um, <laughs> so I think there's like either in a pond or something like this there's you're telling the story and you may have been a kid within it i can't quite remember of there's a frog that's stuck in ice and you're trying to get it out of the ice but i think you end up like pretty much taking limb by limb off of it or something like that while you're trying to get it free like that doesn't sound 
you're not. I don't know. It. it sounds like something I might have said, but I don't know. It, <laughs> did I say it more than once? I'm sure you did. Yeah, I'm sure it came up a couple of times. I definitely saw you do it at the store. I definitely did. You'd have to. I can't, I can't remember that. Well, hey, that's a good example. I'll, I'll double check it. I'll, I'll do some research on my own to make sure I'm. Uh, that might yeah, not even be mine. It might be somebody else here. Oh dear! I'll have to. Are you, edit are you sure you meant to be talking to me? I, I, I don't. I, I don't recall. This is Mickey Flanagan, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I don't recall that. I used to. I used to have a routine years ago about finding a, a penguin with an injured wing, and uh, and putting it in me, taking it into my bedroom, and spending six months repairing the penguin's wing, and then when it was fixed, about throwing it out the window and shouting fly. Um, <laughs> A true, uh, st- true story, that one. <laughs> true story, yeah, yeah, yeah. True story, yeah. Um, the frog one, I can't fucking... I, no, unless it was no. something I came up with on the night or off the court, but I, I don't know. Maybe. It was, it was, it was really good. If, if Whoever it was, if you're listening, um, <laughs> then... then yeah, it's not, it's not, I, don't think, I don't think that's mine. I don't know whose that is. I'm going to have to do some research on that myself. Oh, it, 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 and then again, it could be. I don't know, but I don't think it is. Okay, I apologise. Sorry, that was embarrassing. It's all right. We've, it's uh, okay. We were getting on but, so but well you there. Just thought, you just thought of a joke about animal cruelty and instantly thought, <laughs> or, or, or well, Mick, fun... will, Mick will probably have done that. <laughs> or at least appreciate it, yeah. Yeah. Whether, it, whether he's done this bit himself or not. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, let's explore animal cruelty, because that will be no, <laughs> a, no. a fun topic. But... Um, you mentioned it yourself earlier about then some when you did do the uh, live at the uh, or was it a Michael McIntyre? Yeah, it was, it was Michael McIntyre. Yeah. Yeah. So, what was it? Because you'd have thought you'd have been given some sort of. Do you not get guidance on what they think on the night about? The well, I don't. I don't know. It was. All, it was. It was all very new, and I was. It was honoured to ask. It was two thousand and nine. It was recorded. Uh, I think early two thousand nine, and uh, I, and I was on a lineup with recording Manchester. There was, there was Mac, Michael McIntyre, who was hosting it. Obviously, his show I was on, and then there was three comics. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. Uh, Sarah Millican, Jason Manford, and John Bishop were on. They're doing all right. Uh, yeah, doing the odd bit now and again, aren't they? I'm not sure what they're up to now. Um, <laughs> uh, I should have kept in touch with them. And um, yeah, uh, so we, we 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 all did about twenty plus minutes each on the night, and they were using seven or eight minutes of it. We, we, I, I think because it was the first time they'd done it, there weren't really any guidelines on it, you know. And uh, I didn't really have any. I didn't have any say so over the edits. That was just a bit of an inexperience on my part. And and I was one of the ones that didn't come across well on the show, but that's 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 fine. That's the nature of it, you know. It works. It was good for some people. Um, yeah, uh, it, it was very funny as well because John goes on his show, so I was on first on the actual recording. But on, when they put it out the, the show, it's John who's on first, and uh, he he gets heckled with somebody doing uh, a callback to a routine I'd done earlier. Uh, which makes John look like a legend on the thing because right. uh, I'd, I'd mentioned being from Oldham about being rough. This wasn't in my bit, but you know about having a fridge in my garden. And uh, uh, John starts telling a story about taking a fridge to the tip, and somebody shouts, "Was it in your garden?" And uh, which John doesn't hear clearly, and so John puts the heckler down, and then looks like a legend on it. But uh, he was doing well in his time anyway. He was getting, he was, <laughs> It was getting quite a few bits of TV work at the time, anyway. So I think I think the thing is, all these actually make it on TV. They're all they've all 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 of them. 
ones I know anyway worked incredibly hard. Uh, but I think the secret to, if there is a secret to be getting, is the is maximum exposure over a, over a short period of time. So you'll find that uh, all of them, uh, any comic that's on TV that's done well uh, and doing well, they'll be on all the programmes in a show. You know, they used to be on, like, within a couple of weeks, they'd be on a stand-up show. Back in, uh, you know, they'd be on the 8 out of 10 cats, Have I Got News For You, uh, you know, that kind of thing, all yeah. within a very short period of time. Maximum exposure, bang, hits quick, uh, fantastic. And then, yeah. But uh, but uh, I have to say, every every... Every comic I know who's made it, who's on TV, every single one of them has been a grafter. Every single one of them. I've, I've not, there's not one I can say has fucking fluked it or, um, you know, just been a lucky fucker. Uh, every single one of them has been an absolute grafter, works their asses off, you know. So, so you know, fair play to them. Well, yeah, and I think that's why the, the public, like you, the point you just made there, of that misconception of people's sort of overnight sensation, isn't it? Because it yeah. sort of it seems like, all of a sudden, these guys and girls will be on every program that you you turn yeah. on. You know, you yeah, they do. They get that massive hit, and yeah. so it's it's just like oh, we're aware of it. And as we know, both are more than aware as well. The vast majority of people, even though clubs are packed all over the place, don't go to comedy, do they? <laughs> they don't go. No, to that's true. Comedy. It's it's true as well. And and I mean, a big name can sell out a night. No, you got somebody who's got TV exposure; they'll sell out a night. Uh, are you vaping? Yeah. Fucking hell. Sorry, mate. Uh, are you vaping because you give up smoking? Yes. All right, that's fair enough. I've just got a big problem with people who vape <laughs> who've never smoked. <laughs> they don't exist, surely. Who would do that? They do. It's become a thing. It's become a fucking thing. Yeah, no. Anyway, don't get me started on that. I gave up smoking four years ago. So no uh, vape, nothing? Just Nothing, just, no vape. Just... Uh, no, I didn't go to cold turkey. I did Champix. Uh I tried hell? everything beforehand. Sounds and, like uh, a dog food. What's that? Champix. It's a drug uh, that blocks the receptors in your your brain that crave nicotine. Right. Uh, it's a twelve week course. It was originally developed as an antidepressant, but the side effects are uh, very vivid nightmares and uh, some extreme intrusive thoughts. Um, but I I loved it. I enjoyed the twelve week experience. <laughs> I thought it was fantastic, and it worked as well. The only problem is I've put on another three stones since I quit smoking, so that's the only side. To, but yeah, so I like, I, the, I, like, I like the way they called it champ as well at the start, you know, to make it champ, like, champ picks, yeah, some, yeah, put some, a positive spin yeah. on it. Yeah, how um, long have you been quit smoking then? Oh, year and a half. Oh, you still vaping? Yeah, I, I quite. Is I it, like is have... nicotine in it. Yeah, there is. Yeah, so, so you've not really... quit. You've not quit smoking, <laughs> have you? No. <laughs> no. I haven't, Nick, no. No. <laughs> but, no, I feel I need something, because I, I don't um, drink anymore, you see, either. So, I feel I drink? need... No, what I don't happened drink there? now. There's always a story. I'm not going to ask. Oh, no, it's no. I've, uh, I've, I've spoken to uh, Tony Law in quite in depth about it, as you can imagine. So, yeah. Uh, we, yeah, we went to town on that. Um, yeah, not that I was. it was ever too dark an experience for me. I, I was just doing it too much, mate. And um, it was it was starting to creep in a bit too often really and i'm of an addictive personality so it's just one of those where it's like yeah i need to recognize what's going on here and sort of same here yeah uh, see i have a i have a which i tell everybody about i'm not not shy i have a i have a gambling problem i've got a i've got a gambling addiction so uh yeah i understand addictions yeah i don't know why yeah i don't know why it seems to go hand in hand with um 
comics and you know writers and creatives and 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 stuff like that as well you know i don't know, don't know what it i think maybe you need that element in you to uh, i don't know to... i don't know i don't know what it is I, I, and all i know is it's it, it's I've, you know I've, I've, I've had to explain to a few people in the last couple of years who when we've been talking about people that we know who are alcoholics and i've had to explain to a couple of people who've very stupidly, just have this simplistic idea, which a lot of people well, all they need to do, they just need to stop drinking. You, you got yeah. to actually, you've got to understand first, it's an illness. It's actually they're they're actually ill for a start. That's the first thing they've got an illness. Uh, they can't just stop drinking. There's something in them that create. You know, it's 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 not as simple as just stopping. You know, I've had people say to me, "Well, we'll stop going to the bookie, stop going betting." You go, yeah, I, "I do, I try." You know, yeah. I've banned, banned myself from casinos and all sorts, but fucking hell. Uh, if I get on a spell, if I fall off the wagon, you know, end up losing yeah. quite a lot of money quite fucking quickly. Well, if it was that easy, there wouldn't be any fucking problems in the world, would there, if it was just no, the case? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, don't, yeah. Don't, it's like, it's it. like it took me fucking, I was smoking since the age of 15. It took me, God, what, uh, 30 years to quit smoking, for fuck's sake. Yeah, because that's probably, you know, an, an image of of you, you know, if I was to picture you back on stage from, you know, seven, eight, yeah. nine, ten years ago, whatever would be, well, when you could smoke in the club still, obviously, as well. Yeah, but, it, was, um, it was great, it was great then, wasn't it? Oh, it yeah. was really, it was really yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was really cool. Just a, a Everybody says it, it's, a, it's become a cliched saying now, but it was after the smoking ban, we started to realise how smelly pubs were. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the, the thing that did improve uh, was not coming home stinking of it. That was the, yeah. Uh, that that's the the main thing uh, that I like about it. I think, especially I've got like a four year old and a, a four month old. So you know, stopping smoking right. is obviously a good fucking thing to do. Not that I ever was a smoker in the house. Actually, I was always a you know I'd I'd go outside or you know leave. I was I was a smoker know. in the house for a while, and then we stopped doing it. And then like the last ten years, I was smoking. We didn't smoke in the house. We had to go onto the doorstep or outside. You know, for yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, but I, I was brought. I was a kid, so I'm fifty. So my mum and dad smoked heavily when I was little, and basically you'd, you'd be sat in a house with have neighbours around. Everybody'd be fucking smoking. That was nobody knew, you know, that uh, secondhand smoke could cause damage or uh, to you at the time. That was never no, a thing. Yeah, it, it does. It does seem mental when you think about it. Now and again, me and my missus will reminisce about like I'd go and stay at a student place, and uh, we'd have like an ashtray <laughs> on the bedside table, and just like yeah. bed, you know. Like, Wake up yeah. in the morning. Ah, lovely morning, well, darling. Yeah, yeah. I think we'll uh, fill, be, fill the room with smoke. That used to be the first thing I did when I woke up was light a cigarette. It just seems mad when you look back, doesn't it? It just seems, yeah. I mean, it, it. Don't get me wrong. It was really fucking cool, and it was a good yeah. thing to know. <laughs> like oh, smoking yeah. in the smoking in the clubs was. Uh, no, uh, yeah. The weird thing is now I, I see I see kids vaping. Yeah, uh, and and I find that more creepy than kids smoking. I don't know why. There's something about the image of children vaping that I find that maybe <laughs> because we were all brought up with them black and white photographs of little kids with cigarettes in their mouths. Yeah. Uh, but I find the image of children vaping a lot more creepy. I'm glad they're vaping and not smoking. But there's something about children with vapes that I don't know. It makes me cringe. It's fucking doesn't. Oh. And you see a lot of yeah, that, it, particularly where I live as well. On the way to school in the morning, all fucking vaping. <laughs> <laughs> you imagine getting told off for vaping behind the bike shed. 
Yeah, having to give you, having to give you teacher your vip. Um, I'm going to confiscate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather, rather than your twenty super king or whatever. Well, twenty super king. Fuck it. Were you rich at school? <laughs> Sorry, I am from down, down south. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you are. Yeah. I keep forgetting that. Yeah, yeah. So how many kids have you got now? Uh, two. I've got two. So yeah, four month old, the youngest one, and a four year old, both girls. Oh, um, right. okay. And uh, yeah, they're uh, no, they're cracking. They are. They're. Uh, they they seem like all right people so far. They've uh, you know they're not yeah. done anything too offensive. So kids kids are kids are great. I tell I tell you the day is a is a parent of noise. It's when you when you your kids change and it happens to all children. It happens to every single one of us, uh, every single human being. And you'll notice the changes, and it's horrible as well. It's it's the day they become self aware, and then all of a sudden that that free abandon, you know, of like just dancing around and the fucking underwear in the street, you know, all that's gone. Yeah, all of a sudden they become conscious of themselves, and it's fucking heartbreaking that moment. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, kids. I, I, we're we're still obviously right in the middle of that and enjoying that. And I'm oh quite... yeah, I enjoy every minute of it because and, and and I sort of vaguely remember it myself when I was a kid. I must remember eight or nine when you become acutely aware of yourself and what you look like and your position and your group at school and. Uh, you know what shoes they're wearing and what shoes you're. You know what I mean. All of a sudden, it becomes it's sort of like, yeah, shit, that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She is, especially the four, obviously the four-year-old. But she is like, you know, if you go past the pound shop or whatever, you know, she is absolutely fucking delighted with yeah. some shitty little toy. You know, of course, it's fucking that. Yeah, yeah, and it's like fantastic. Oh God, long may this. It's not going to continue. It will soon <laughs> it's be. Not, it's, play, not, it's not me. Trust me. PlayStation 10 or whatever's out at the time that will buy them will cost as much as a fucking car does. And yeah. trust me, yeah, um, especially girls as well. I see, I've raised two girls and a boy, but teenage girls is oh, you've got all that to come. And and as a dad, and and it, you are you will be a pushover, mate. I, I mentioned this on stage about having massive rows with my when my daughters were teenagers, massive row with them, and then five minutes later I'm giving them twenty quid, and I don't know what the fuck is. <laughs> I don't know what's happened. I don't know how we've gone from the big row to me being the most awful person in the world to then giving them twenty quid. What the fuck? You know, but you'll 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 experience that. You just, I guess, you have to. I struggle almost with that a little bit now because I, you know, fairly new to parenting still. You know, with the oldest yeah. only, only being four and stuff, and it's like, you know, this seems weird to say, but you know, she'll do something that like pisses me off. You know, like or something naughty or whatever. You know, or you know, just ignore me, and I'll be. Like, please don't, no, all right, you're doing that. Okay, you're doing right. that. Right. But, but obviously, you know, in, in real life, and I've only had a kid for the, the longest time, four years, the age of the oldest one. If that was like someone in the real world or work or something, you'd be like, right, well, I'm going to be uh, bloody in a mood with you and addict to you and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Ah, no, she's a kid. No, so you're right. Yeah, it is. And two minutes later, can I have an ice pop or something? You're yeah, like, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. You just uh, yeah. You know, completely disrespected me in my. In my own home, but no, that's absolutely I, fine. Yeah, exactly. Right. I, I I love the the the, 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 the sort of a very pragmatic and, and proper approach to things. If you're asleep and they don't want you to be asleep, they'll actually force your eyes up, <laughs> your eyes open. They'll actually open your eyes for you. I mean, as an adult, you would never do that to anybody else. You would, <laughs> you would never forcibly open their eyes. But kids Especially, do not have a kids do yeah. not have a problem with that. Especially not your missus. Oh, imagine could you imagine? Sunday morning, wake up. <laughs> Four the eyes. Yeah, yeah. Whereas your children, that's not a fucking problem. Yeah, well, 
and I, I probably probably for a lot of wives it is like their husband is like their extra kid anyway isn't it so you know i would be the one doing that so yeah you, you let her do it what the what's wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't it be wouldn't it be nice as an adult just to be able to stand in front of a friend or somebody you love and just say i've pooed in my pants <laughs> with no shame nothing yeah just, uh, put, yeah and they they help you out they <laughs> <laughs> all right all right we'll come around here mate no problem yeah yeah, I've got some spares on me. Here you go, pop these on. There what you go. a perfect world that would be. But, do you uh, another, yeah, do you want another pint, Mick? I mean, it's all fine enough. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're like, can I have a nice pop? Yeah, sure, mate. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my, what Maybe we're headed that way with uh, the current um, two world leaders as such that we've... Uh, we we got on the go, you know. It wouldn't be too surprising, would it? So. I I've got I've I I've got a theory of I've been developing for the last few months. Uh, well, it's not really a theory; it's an idea I've got, and I, I think I might be proved right. I think Donald Trump will become the very first uh, ex-U.S. president to deny to deny that he ever was the president. Um, I think when when he's not president anymore, there will be a press conference where he's saying. It was you guys. It was fake news. I never was president. <laughs> I, was the, I never said those things. Because uh, <laughs> I, pro- I, 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 do you think there's in, I don't know, a bit of dementia involved with? I don't know. You just there's, <sighs> there's got. Have you seen the auto cue one from the uh, the other day? No, I've not um, seen it. No. No. So uh, oh, this is this is how bloody senile I am myself. I can hardly criticise anyone else struggling to remember the words today. But the obviously the horrific couple of, or well, three shootings, wasn't there, in one day, although for some reason oh, only, God, yeah, yeah. only two of them had been being, yeah. being reported on. And he had the auto cue in front of him of the locations of those and still yeah. got one of the locations wrong. He said somewhere that was like 300 miles away, completely different name rather oh. than one of the names. And then that was just, but it, it's the way the stuff gets brushed off. It's yes, it, and that's it's what just I, brushed that's what, off. That's what I find. That's what I find worrying. Uh, but it's us, Molly. Molly, come here. Molly, hang on a sec. Sorry, You're Molly. Right. Molly. Um, there is an interesting when we're talking about we're talking about comedy. So on, uh, Molly, come here. Come here, girl. Come here. On. Uh, Saturday night, I was in Birmingham. Uh, I was at the Comedy Loft, and I was watching. And on first was Andy Robinson, uh, who, if anybody knows, is one of the most loveliest men in stand-up. Highly right. dangerous comic, and he, he was on he was on stage, and he hadn't done a joke about Boris Johnson. He more or less hinted that he didn't think he was very good. He, he's not he's not political at all, Andy, but he was hinting at Boris Johnson not being very good at his, you know, basically not being a good choice as prime minister. And a very angry man, middle-aged man at the back, shouted, screamed at him, why don't you try and be capable of some independent thought? <laughs> because what had happened was, the interesting thing was, uh, it hinted at Boris Johnson not being that good, and there was a section of the crowd booed him for hinting at it. Wow. <laughs> which is, yeah, which is very worrying. So the guy at the back shouted, why don't you try and be capable of some independent thought? Andy had a bit of a back and forth with him. Andy had done the classic comic thing of, mishearing what he'd said for his own comedic effects. And um, so this guy was really angry, basically. He was seething, actually, (laughs) back there. I was watching him. And then in the middle bit, uh, Juliet Myers went on. Uh, Juliet, she's a a great comic. 
Yeah, and fantastic. She doesn't yeah. talk about. Uh, so she talks about she's got a degree in feminism. That's that's the only time she mentions it. She says, "I've got a degree in feminism." Uh, it's to build up to a joke, but it's uh, about how people misconceive her. You know, they think uh, that when they look at her because she's got a degree in feminism, they think that she's uh, must be a lesbian. It's a common misconception. But as she, when she mentions the word feminism, this angry man <laughs> then stands up at the back, storms out while grabbing his wife's arm and dragging her away with him. <laughs> so, I, I can only assume it's so that his wife cannot hear this about feminism and then oh. be capable of some independent thought herself. Uh, but uh, it was fucking bizarre. Um, and seeing it more and more increasingly now, it's getting... Well, uh, I, I, was, I was going to ask, are you, are you seeing mention the b word but is it since brexit that like people are getting a bit more confident because these I, I think that on stuff have always been around reports. i think social right. media's uh... oh i lost you there for a second you there yeah i mean yeah i i think it was before i think it was before brexit i think social media's uh big parts are playing uh in the rise of uh extremism uh and, you, and, and you're not allowed to say that. If I, if, the weird thing is we're, we're in a situation now, if I, if I criticise something for being a bit too far right or I say I don't, you know, I, 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 I don't agree with it, uh, you, you, you get hit straight away. You either get called a snowflake or you get called a libtard or a, a soft lefty or uh, it doesn't matter what your opinion is. Somebody will, somebody will target you. And then, and then if you are slightly right-leaning and you disagree with something that Corbyn said, and the problem is you've got then too many extreme on the left who are uh, you're, you're right wing, uh, you're, you're an extremist. You, you know, it's, it's. I think, I genuinely think we're heading towards a civil war, and uh, uh, and, I, and I, I'm quite looking forward to it. I think it needs to happen. I think we need a big fight. Uh, yeah, reorder everything. We need to clear the air, and um, yeah, and I'm worried about the the. the the far right, because they usually, as history will dictate, usually the ones who, who get the best weapons. Um, so we need to do it before they get themselves armed. But yeah, I think we're heading, we're heading for something. Something's going to happen. Uh, yeah, you're right. They're all the mad bastards who have been stockpiling for 30 years, aren't they? Yeah, you know, exactly. no one that's else a problem. Yeah, that's a that's a fucking problem with it. Uh, I, I I think we need to. I've just lost you there, Mick, for a second, mate. Yeah, I'm still here. There you go, got you now. Yeah. Yeah, I think we need to split the country up. I think we tried to have a North West Assembly in the nineties. We need to definitely have one now. Scotland will go for independence. Um I think the North East then might have, try their own assembly. We need to do it. We need to uh I think basically not a feudal state, but you know, we, we I think Aries need to be in control of their own finances, their own laws now at the minute. Uh, it's a bit... Or, or just a big fight. I'm up yeah. for a big fight. We should all meet in a big car park in Birmingham and uh, and whoever's left standing runs the country. Yeah, do what you want. Free reign from there. Seems, yeah. seems yeah. Compl- completely fair and reasonable, that yeah. mate. I don't know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyone could have a problem with it. Um, yeah, exactly. And then, uh, and then comics... Would be on the on the phone that night to each of us complain about low numbers because people are at the fight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what was your crowd like? Was there anybody there? They're all at the fight. Yeah, phoning into Gavin Webster to uh, 
Yeah, com- yeah. <laughs> Why was a civil war on a Saturday? Why couldn't they wait until a Monday? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Saturday nights are ruined now. Yeah, oh, never mind. Um, Mick, final um, bit then, if that's all right, because we've been, we've been chatting for ages, mate, and I've really right. enjoyed it. And I, I like how we've gone all all over the place as well, which has uh, been been nice, almost two halves of the conversation, really, which is right. Uh, yeah, n- nice way of it. But um, let's go a little bit, one more little serious thing, and then we'll sort of lighten it up a bit at the end. Um, right. you, in terms of their material, because you see a shitload of comics, because not only are you gigging all the time, but you, you know, you do you've mentioned a couple of times but you know you you see loads of new acts coming through don't you constantly um, yeah you you must have seen fucking god knows how especially doing the the gong shows for yeah, yeah for a number yeah. of years you must have seen fucking thousands of people yeah one once <laughs> and then never seen yeah. them ever again as well probably but do, is there a shift in like the material at the moment are people more guarded and, and worried about being a bit out there or a bit outrageous is, is bit it all more, being toned down um, no, I don't think it is. I think I've, you'll, you'll always get um, newer comics, some com- well, not newer, but some comics who think they're edgy. Well, I'm edgy, you know, I'm, uh, I'm a dangerous comic. I'm on the edge. Uh, you get some that are overly woke uh, to the point where it's it's all very nice, but not very funny. Um, right. I think, I think everything needs a little bit of an edge. I think everything needs a little bit of... It can't be straightforward or else it becomes dull, doesn't it? So... The the only problem is is how um, how quick some people are to take to offence uh, is 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 getting worrying. And I've heard of comics getting in arguments and almost fights after gigs in the last few years because people have completely misconstrued uh, what they've said or only heard a certain word in the uh, routine that has triggered this offence in them without right. actually taking into context what the rest of it is. And that, this is now becoming a worrying thing on the circuit, is context. So it seems like it doesn't, that's not important. But it is. Context has to be important. It has to all be about context. But now that's getting taken out of the equation. People are uh, getting angry about things, uh, regardless of the fucking context of the situation, which is, that's quite scary. Uh, so everything is open for misinterpretation, and and it doesn't matter what you say. You could have, I, you know, tonight I could be getting to 500 people, and there'll be one person in that room who absolutely hates everything I say and misconstrues everything I say. So yeah, that's worrying. There's not a lot you can do about it, but it is worrying. No, and and I guess then that's the sort of the downside then of the social media element, isn't it? As so as we've seen recently, you can that one person has got a platform to get in contact with a shitload of people, and then you then get loads well, of people yeah. piling uh, on and then who weren't even there. Tag in famous people so they'll get involved yeah, in the yeah. argument. I mean, that's quite worrying. I mean, a, a Twitter pile on the call. It Twitter's Twitter's awful. Uh, yeah, it's quite a disgusting place. I mean, but also that, that, that the world of the online trolling didn't wasn't it? Uh, I can't remember who the the lady was a couple of years ago was a victim of some horrific online abuse. And we found out that a thousand, about a thousand of the accounts that were given her abuse were run by two guys. I mean, right. that's fucking sick. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I genuinely think, uh, uh, Twitter now needs to, and all social media, everybody who registers a social media account. So you can't hide 
your details should be given, not given to anybody else, but it should be given to, you should be able to, have to prove who you are, what your identity is, before you can sign up to them. So that way, if you do say anything horrible, malicious, whatever, you can be easily found. Yeah, yeah, or or if you, yeah, or, or then you would have sort of platforms where you don't have to do that, but that immediately makes anything you say fucking unimportant <laughs> yeah well that no one else should listen to kind of thing yeah but but yeah but you have to be able we we we've seem to have gone through this now with social media we you, you, a lot of people are not held accountable for what they say and they can cause horrific damage from just a few a uh, few words typed out onto a screen yeah um i to be honest i'm a big fan of direction i think uh, any any troll that causes bullying or upset online, you should be allowed to go around to their house and fucking knock fuck out of them. Uh, I think that should be the law. I think, but uh, it, it's not the law um, because you, you can't find out who these people are because uh, they don't have to prove who they are to these social media sites before they sign up. Yeah, I, I think I think it's a simple thing. Uh, it, that information is not going to go anywhere unless they get hacked. But you should have to prove who you are before you sign up to an account. Yeah, definitely. All right. Yeah, but... Uh, you're right. What's the point of it? Otherwise, claim it, put a load of people claiming to be someone yeah. else and fake identities. Yeah. How, how, many, how many on Twitter are just an egg oh, with a man. fucking series of letters and words, you know, uh, uh, as the name? I mean, what the fuck? Why is that, how is that allowed? And why are all the right-wing fuckers always a picture of their pet? They're never put... They're, they're always going on about <laughs> free, free speech and shit like that. And then it's a picture of the labrador or cockapoo or something can yeah. it's never there it's never their face the ones that will be the most outspoken are the ones hiding behind union jacks and well the ones that I'm always, ones that i'm always wary of uh, if it's a man uh if he's if in his profile picture he's sat in a car or he's sat on a car or he's looking at a car <laughs> nice. or pointing at a car he's normally a bit of a dick isn't he that guy that you know if, if his car's involved in his profile picture fucking hell yeah. I think I think we've just designed your next tour poster, mate. I want you on a <laughs> on a on a bonnet of a Cortina or something Above, like that. An old no, an old, old four Granada. That's what I want. Oh, yeah, yeah. I like it. I can picture. It. I can see it. Let's do, and you called it woke or something like that, and just completely give them both barrels, mate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, walk Piss me off before you, Walk me up before you go go. Um, no, surely somebody's done that title. I must be, t- <laughs> be titling Edinburgh this year. Oh, be- I'll, you know, you, me and my brain, I'll attribute it to you anyway, mate. You know, <laughs> yeah, but wrongly as well, you might do. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, completely. Let's yeah. find out who did this frog routine. Because oh, if, if, if it was one of mine, then I need to remind you of it. But So the, for anyone the listening who might have seen this routine, there's a frog stuck in the ice in the garden. And I'm sure it was you. But that's sounding like it's wrong. The frog was stuck, and they were like running back and forth from the house, trying to get their like their mum. There's a frog in the garden, and they end up basically not that I immediately thought of you with this kind of material, but <laughs> that um, yeah, they I ended up I, they I ended up hurting it. Basically. I don't think that's me. That no, I don't was, think that's was, me, mate. All oh, right, sorry, dude. I'm is so it something you? Is it that. something you actually did as a kid? No, it's not. It's not is come this, from. It's is not this like... aggression? Where's something going on here? <laughs> Is this All what... I wanted to do was open up to Mickey Flanagan about his material today. <laughs> <laughs> and I get all this shit for it. <laughs> right, uh, yeah, well, don't don't edit this to make me look like a cunt, mate. You know what I mean? Because I, I know where you live. No, um, no, no. You know, right? of course. Yeah. And don't be offended that I won't listen to it, because I don't. No. I don't listen to anything I do. I don't listen to don't. podcasts either. 
I've done one as well, but I don't listen to them, uh, which is stupid. I don't like the sound of my own voice. That's a problem. I really, I really cringe every time I hear myself. It's, you shouldn't. It's a, it's a, it's a good one. It's uh, earthy. It's real. It's nice. Is it? You should, yeah, yeah. It's not. Well, it's, it's industrial. As a, an, there you a, go. A, an, a, an elderly uh, um, gay thespian told me on a tube station. Uh, <laughs> I, I, an industrial accent. <laughs> we'll go with that one. Yeah. Awesome. Look, Mick. Thank you very much, mate. And cheers for being so like candid and open and all the. No, the rest no, about no, it as no worries, I, I really mate. appreciate uh, that. But yeah, because in case I've said anything that's potentially like I've not named names, have I? Have I named no, names? No, I don't no. worry. I'm very, I'm very careful. I'll cool. Get, I'll yeah. Get, get rid of anything. That's I always worry about this. It's, it's a good job you've done this when I'm sober. If you phone me tonight and I've had a couple <laughs> of drinks, fucking different affair. Then cheers, mate. Good luck with it all. Yeah, I appreciate that, dude. Hopefully, bump into you soon. And yeah. um, have you got anything coming up? We should be plugging and telling that fight in Birmingham or anything. Do we need to tell uh, people where to be? The Civil or... War. We've got a yeah. date for that, haven't we? <laughs> uh, the Civil War fight. But uh, nothing. I'm hoping to do a couple of one-man shows in uh, in October around Manchester. Uh, new show I'm writing, so we'll see. Cool. I'll keep an eye out for that. Right. I'll, okay. I'll plug it like crazy when I do. Thanks. Thank a lot, you very mate. much. Cheers, mate. Bye bye. Cheers. Bye bye. Oh, so there we go. What a great chat was. Some really fascinating stuff. I mean, Mick's a, a genius. Let's uh, suck up to him a little bit more here. Mick is an absolute genius of stand-up. The way that he can switch his act between surrealism and anecdotal and, and topical and just off-the-cuff stuff and, and bantering with the audience. And if someone needs to be put in their place, then bang. You know, this is a guy who... He's a pro, he's a top level pro and it was a, a real honour to speak to him uh, for such a long time as well. You know, I, I joked about it at the start, we must have gotten a bit, we are chatting for well over an hour. Um, so yeah, thanks Mick, I you know, really, really, really appreciate your time and thank you for being so open and honest again, I'm so lucky all my guests are. Um, but yeah, a, a great chat. And did anyone spot my mistake of... Uh, attributing some stand-up that wasn't Mix to Mick. Brilliant. What an absolute prick. If anyone knows who did that humour, uh, that uh, sketch, sorry, or routine, uh, these are my words there, uh, that routine about a frog being stuck, I'm sure that was him. What a... Uh, God, you know, I wish the, the... What do they say? The ground had opened up and swallowed me whole at that point oh my goodness and never mind you know you, you live and learn don't you um i'm sorry mick i do apologize for that but no thanks again brilliant chat brilliant episode hope you all enjoyed it so what do you need to do you need to go to at pullback reveal on your social media and give us a follow and a like and a share you need to subscribe and give the podcast to five stars please and a lovely rating that'd be great and also uh just out of a little thing I'm starting a comedy festival like you do uh, it's looking like it's going to be about 30 shows now over 24th 25th 26th of April um, quite a few people that I've interviewed on here um, but other top top acts people you'll recognise off of the TV um, if you don't recognise them rest assured I am kind of like hand picking shows and getting advice from the very best in the industry as to who we need to be showcasing it's going to be special it's going to be fantastic 
and we've got a Kickstarter going. I'm just trying to raise a grand, not to pay for the whole bloody festival, don't worry, but it's just for some initial admin costs before the sponsors come in, before everything else, but it gives you a chance to be involved. Uh, if you go to my Twitter, at WestDidsComFest, or search exactly the same on Facebook as well, or just on Google it, then the Kickstarter comes up, and you can chip in a pound, a couple of pounds, five quid, as much as you want, and there's a ton of brilliant rewards on there as well. Now, I've spoken for longer than the outro music is again. Bugger. I do that quite regularly, um, so I'm going to go. But look, love you lots. Uh, love Mick Ferry as well. Go and see him if you haven't. Get him in your life. Follow him on social media and whatnot as well. And thanks again, Mick, and thank you, one and all, for listening to me rambling on. Goodbye. Pull Back Reveal is a podcast by me, Kev Rook, only made possible by the kind generosity of our guests who give up their time for absolutely nothing at all. Now, if you would like to help us out in any way, all you need to do, and it's really simple, is just go to wherever you listen to your podcast, give us a subscribe, give us a rate and review if it will let you do so, and then get onto social media. Search at Pull Back Reveal. You'll find us on Facebook and Twitter. And give us a follow, like our stuff, share what we're doing. That would really, really help at the moment because each and every one of you that does that, it just spreads the message a little bit wider. And the more listeners we get, the bigger and better we can become. So thank you very much for listening. We'll be back again next week with another wonderful guest. And mark my words. And in the meantime, look out in the midweek for the trailer and the reveal of who our next guest is going to be. Thanks for your time. Bye now.